welcome back to another edition of Asp and Answered. Today, Brandon, Katie, and I are so honored to be joined by Dr. Natalie Duran-Bush, who served as the 34th president of Asp from 2019 to 2020. Uh, Natalie is a professor in the School of Human Kinetics at the University of Ottawa in Canada. And again, thank you so, so much for being with us today. We appreciate you making time to join us. I just want to go ahead and start off and hand the mic over to you to ask you to give us like a 30 second elevator pitch bio about where you are now. Don't worry about how you got there. That'll actually be the next question, but just 30 seconds to a minute of where you are currently. Okay, well, first, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Um, such a great project. So where am I now? Um, I, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a prof at the University of Ottawa. I'm in my 23rd year uh, teaching there uh, and serving uh, different capacities there as, as uh, obviously a, a professor, a researcher, and a uh, member of different committees and organizations. I also have my private practice, and I've had this since uh, 1995, so quite a few years. Um, so uh, I'm still an active uh, mental performance consultant in Canada. And I, I, I guess the other big role that I play is as the executive director of the Canadian Centre for Mental Health and Sport, which is a national centre providing sport-informed mental health care and resources to the sport community. That's beautiful. Thank you. So in this podcast, one of the things that we are hoping to do is to get a better understanding of how key figures like yourself, of course, um, in the field got to where you just said you are today. So could you give us, um, you know, your kind of your story, your background on your pathway that got you to where you are now? And then if there are any like moments or um, experiences that really stand out to you, the uh, you know, that were so influential, um, certainly feel free to share those as well. Okay. Um, well, I, I started as a, an undergraduate student in our School of Human Kinetics at the University of Ottawa in 1989. It was in my third year uh, that I was first exposed to sports psychology, and I fell in love with it instantly. I had the opportunity to get mentored by both Dr. John Salmella and Dr. Terry Orlick, and they were a huge, huge influence in my life and my decision to pursue a career in this field. Um, I then continued on after my undergrad degree. I continued on to do a, a master's degree in the School of Human Kinetics, again, uh, under the supervision of Dr. John Salmella. Uh, and then uh, continued to do my PhD in the Faculty of Education at the University of Ottawa. Um, I, there was no program in our school at the time, and so I, I, we had some, some links to the Faculty of Education, and, and it was fantastic because it just gave me a completely different perspective <clears throat> and lens through which uh, to learn how to do my work, which, I mean, we can certainly equate a lot of what we do to education, so it was very valuable. Um, and, and through uh, my education, obviously, I, I had a, a big interest in research, but I also uh, had a love for practice. And uh, as soon as I finished my master's degree, um, I, I started my private practice and have continued working in the field since then. 
I think if uh, trying to remember some of the milestones, uh, there's there's just so many. And I think one of the things I want to highlight is my first ASP conference was in 1993 when I started my master's degree. It was the conference in Montreal. And I remember this being such a, a significant event in my life because this is where uh, I was introduced to so many leaders in our field and was actually able to put faces to names of all these great papers and chapters I was reading. And I was so motivated to get involved in, in not only us, but just the field in general. So uh, I became a, um, a regional student representative of ASP and uh, as a, as a PhD student, and I remember in 1996, I started uh, with some of my colleagues, like, uh, for example, Do Dr. Gordon Bloom, uh, who's at McGill University, um, the first student-led conference in Canada. Uh, it started at Ottawa U, and we got ASP support, and that was part of our role as student rep, right, to try to get a regional conference going and I'm I'm so like so proud and and thrilled to to say that this conference is still like thriving this year. We I just went to the annual conference in March, uh, and and we just celebrated the twenty seventh uh, edition of it. So we're going to soon celebrate the thirtieth anniversary of the conference. Uh, it's grown exponentially. Uh, it is uh, rotating every year to a different university, and ASP is still providing uh, support for it. So I've, that that's such a, anyways, a proud moment. Um, I guess another milestone is just getting involved with with ASP, uh, different committees, uh, and then eventually getting elected to the executive board as division and information uh, head, which then led to to uh, me running for, for president um, following that four-year role. Um, and then and then also some of the other milestones, I would say, is getting involved with the International Society of Sports Psychology. So I served on that managing council for eight years. And, and again, I want to thank John Salmella and, and Terry Orlick for just for being catalysts and for encouraging me to get involved. So my first uh, involvement with the ISSP was as student rep, and then even, and then I got elected on the managing council as a general board member the first four years, and then as the vice president for the next four years. So that also was huge in my career, uh, just establishing contacts and doing work more internationally, uh, across like uh, across the continents, really, and so I think that was that served me very well in my career, and and where I'm at today. It's so clear that service is something important to you that you really value contri contribution, particularly through service. What kind of initiated that for you? What got you first excited or eager to really get involved? Where did that come from? <sighs> That's such a good question because I, I've been asked that question before. Um, I, I think I saw my role models uh, do this type of work. So John obviously served uh, on, on the ASP e-board. 
Terry Orlick uh, was the founder of the International Society of uh, Mental Training and Excellence, and I helped out with that. Um, I I just value collaboration. I value, and and I think for me, I, I I value just anything that's bigger than myself, right? I I just I I I guess I I I. I People say that I'm a very generous person as well in terms of, of my contributions and time because a lot, well, most of this is volunteer work, right? And sometimes I get told, like, if you would get paid for all the hours that you've been <laughs> right now. But it, it's funny because it, I, I just get so much, like, it's just so much, so, so much satisfaction for helping to advance the field. I also, I think I have a very, uh, creative and innovative side that that I, I feel like that that is being fulfilled by the work that I'm doing, uh, you know, in different committees and probably you know one of the large reasons I also created the the Canadian Center for Mental Health and Sport. Obviously, we saw a huge need in Canada, and and I had some personal motives as well for uh, contributing to the area of mental health. But again, I've been working as a volunteer for this organization since 2018, even as my role as executive director right now. It's, it's all volunteer work above and beyond what I do in my main job as a prophet, Ottawa U. But I'm so, I don't know, I'm so, I'm so uh, motivated by it that like, it doesn't feel like work to me. It, it, just, it, it just brings so much enjoyment in my life. Beautiful. We would love to get a snapshot of the field prior to your presidential service. So, you know, in 2019, even the few years leading up to that, how would you describe the field of sport exercise and performance psychology and even the organization, ASP as an organization prior to you running for president? And kind of what are those things that are particularly relevant or salient for you as you think about that time frame for the field and the organization? Mm-hmm. I, okay, there's a couple things. So I think for me, I've been really, really excited about the certification program. And my four years as an executive board member prior to serving as uh, president, the certification program had been launched. Um, It was evolving rapidly. Uh, In line with that, there was, um, you know, a lot of discussion around graduate student training and developing uh, standards and even potentially uh, someday an accreditation uh, program for for graduate schools, and so that that to me was 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 starting right. Um, and I've been involved. Oh, I guess I should have mentioned that as well. I forgot, but I also been involved in Canada. I mean, I've always wanted to do what I could to help advance the profession in Canada. And so in 2006, so following some of the work that Dr. Terry Orlick had done, he had initially created the mental training registry in Canada. And, he, and you know, he took it as far as what he as where he could. 
And then uh, we, myself, Dr. Penny Werther and Dr. Tom Patrick at the time, got together to take it to the next level. And we created the Canadian Sports Psychology Association that oversees the practice, right, of, of sports psychology and what we now call mental performance consulting. And so um, I, I obviously, I, I, I was very, um, what's the word? I, I, I've, I've, I've been always trying to make sure that we have the most robust recognition and certification of, of practitioners uh, in Canada uh, through through my my involvement on the managing council for for many many years. I I, I actually left the council um, in 2021, <clears throat> um, and so I remember in 2017 starting conversations with ASP about possibly joining forces to again take our programs up a notch to to offer this unified program uh, that would have a critical mass and would just again continue elevating the standards and so the years leading to my presidency we were still having these ongoing conversations. And I think being part of the executive board afforded me that mm. uh, to be right in there um, and, and looking at possibilities. And uh, this was a huge goal, uh, obviously, of, of mine uh, as serving as president. And, and when we launched now the joint program, I mean, again, it was such a, a milestone and a, a huge win, I think, for, for our two countries to join forces. Um, we could have never done it without ASP. Um, we have a critical mass in Canada, but we certainly did not have the numbers that you have in the U.S. And, and the resources that you have. And one of the things that I quickly learned uh, uh, as a member of the board is the importance of the executive office. And uh, they play such a vital role in helping the day-to-day -day operations and managing pretty much everything. And so that, that, that whole piece was critical in helping us actually solidify everything. And so... Um, that that was that that was evolving right in the years leading, um, and and as one of the uh, yeah with my colleagues at the University of Ottawa as one of the um, profs overseeing our professional program, I had a huge interest again right in in um, looking at graduate training standards, and so um, I, I think now where the field is heading and what the, the, the incredible work that has been accomplished in the recent years to start um, developing and, and putting in place those standards and, and having a, a more formal accredited program for graduate schools. Uh, I, 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 I'm such in favor of that. And, and, and in Canada, I mean, we need, we need, to to be part of that as well, especially because we have the joint certification program. I guess the other piece um, for me that was also exciting and so important leading up to my presidency was all the work being done in the area of DEI. 
And um, as I became president, uh, ASP had just launched um, the DEI uh, Council. And so I, I, I really admired the work that was done in that area with some key people like Leisha Carter and Kenza Gunter, who, who were part of the board, and, and many other people, obviously, who were part of that council. Uh, but I, I just think ASP, if you look at how it's evolved over the years, it has done a lot of work to become a more diverse and inclusive organization and that has to be celebrated and the work has to continue. So, so those, and okay. So one final piece that was actually something that I mentioned in my presidential address is in my conversations with many past presidents and, and just colleagues in the field. And, and I think I was in a, I'll, I'll call it a privileged position because of being a professor in academia, uh, there's a lot of talk about making sure that we continue to respect and strengthen the, the scientist practitioner model, mm. because there was there was a fear that ASP would turn into a more uh, well, it's always been applied, so and that's its strength, right? But there was a fear that it. it you know, it could potentially go into a direction where the scientist component would be a bit lost or, or not emphasized as, as much as it should be. And so that was, that was, you know, something that I was very mindful of. Um, in, in, and I mentioned that in my, in my position statement when I ran as president and, and certainly would bring it up in, in conversations that, we can't lose the empirical side. That lens is so critical and, and we can't be perceived as being this pop psych uh, type of organization where um, what we do is not informed by um, research and, and solid evidence. So that's another dimension that uh, I think was, was important to me. Yeah. Sorry, that was a, a, long, a long response. <laughs> It was beautiful. Please don't apologize at all. Keep it coming. <laughs> I, I have to say, I think um, as you're reflecting on these experiences, um, I found myself thinking about when on the council, on the certification council and going from, well, really nowhere in terms of like, how do we even start to negotiate this or figure out what this, like how this works to where like, in a really short period of time um, to seeing that announcement coming out and seeing the new logo with both organizations. That was probably one of like my proudest moments um, as well in terms of just accomplishments for that group. Um, and in um, CSPA too, it was just such a, um, not only like what it stood for and what the final product was, but also I think the process was really quite special. Uh, because we had two groups of people that were working on behalf of, you know, their own, and some of the same individuals or, or members, you know, that might be members of, of both organizations, um, but were deeply, deeply like committed and, and passionate about trying to find a way to make that, that happen. Um, and it worked out so beautifully. And oh, yes. uh, it's just so nice to see that it came to, 
to fruition very very once you know, very quickly once things like start, once the ball started like rolling mm-hmm. it was off. I know, and and we still have a lot of work to do. Um, I'm still part of the um, certification committee, a member of the certification committee associated with the Canadian Sports Psychology Association. So we have we we have our tasks, and and we need to promote the program in Canada. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna, our, we're, you know, we have a deadline um, before we're gonna sunset our current program. Um, And so we're working really, really hard to get as many of our current MPCs who are professional members of the the Canadian Sports Psychology Association to to submit their application, challenge the exam and then become certified. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So it's 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 ongoing and and it's 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 exciting. Um, And and I I I just I, I just feel it's so necessary because one of my biggest concerns and I'm sure you probably share that as so many other people in our field is just the number of people claiming expertise in in our field whether it's and I'm going to say both mental performance and mental health um, because because sport is such a popular uh, environment in which to work Um, and and it, it's scary. It's scary to see the number of people coming out of the woodwork. Um, I don't even know if I can say that. It, as, uh, as a, that's an expression, right? Um, <laughs> just, 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 yeah, just, just actually trying, well, taking away hmm. um, um, work, remunerated work from our actually a legitimate practitioners who have done the graduate training, the long hours of, of uh, internship, supervised internship, and then and then the certification. Um, so we as a collective have have to continue being vigilant and promoting and ensuring that we protect the public because um, yeah there's there's just too many charlatans out there. Yeah. who have a, a couple of uh, weekend courses and call themselves a, a, a mindfulness coach, a life coach, uh, e- even as far as a mental performance coach. And so uh, we have to make sure that the that, that, that public hires competent practitioners. Amen. It's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a lifelong, uh, process i have no doubt and it, it's challenging mm-hmm. um if we i don't know if i was i was gonna say fast forward but really not fast forward but so let's we'll go back to 2018 i guess it would have been 2018 when you made the decision to run for pre, well, president-elect um what if you can remember like at that time you know, as you're reflecting on your service prior to, um, you know, president, is there anything in particular that motivated you to run for president? And, and maybe it's a little bit similar to some of what you were already talking about, because it kind of sounds like not so much a springboard, but there was momentum clearly um, with certification and some of the other initiatives that you were heavily involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe yeah. it just made sense 
um, that that would be the next step. But uh, um, we're curious if there was anything that, you know, specifically motivated you to take that next step and, and run for and, and run for president. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll just make a clarification. So I, I was a member of the e-board um, as a division and, and uh, sorry, um, publications and division head. And then um, I was I was asked to run for president after uh, uh, a current president a current president president could not complete uh, their term um, and to step in to um, not as president elect but as president and so was there was a special election that was held for that and. At the time when I was asked uh, by, you know, by somebody in, from the organization if I, I, I would consider running for this, it, 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 it was an interesting time in my life. Um, I remember having to miss the, the conference in Toronto, which was, I was so looking forward to it because CSPA was going to play a big role and we were going to have like the so many members uh, attend that conference. And I remember sharing that during my presidential address. But, uh, you know, sadly, my, my husband passed away in, in the fall of 2018, at, like right around the conference. And, and at the very last minute, I, I had to cancel uh, attending the conference. And, and then after that, of course, um, you know, I had... I had to navigate uh, life as a as a, as a new widow with with two children, and I remember the uh, the board being like incredibly supportive. I always saw ASP as a as a family, mm. <clears throat> and and the support that I got not only from ASP but obviously everyone in my life was tremendous. And so the timing of of considering serving as president was interesting because. I, at the same time, like I was as weighing different factors. So the idea of being somewhat, uh, uh, I guess I'll use the word um, challenged <laughs> because of, 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 of the grief process, uh, but, but, re, but, but very much um, strengthened by resilience. Um, and 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 then just the opportunity of continuing my work with ASP at a time where I had experienced loss, I, I felt you know what this I, I am I'm going to do this I'm going to do this because I, again I've always uh, felt that my experience with ASP has been extremely positive and supportive, and I felt like this this would would be good for me. And so um, I, I considered running and then obviously I, I got elected and so began the work in, in 2019 um, and, and feeling, feeling very, very good and, and, and fulfilled to, to have that role um, at a time where, um, yeah, I just, I just valued being, uh, being part of, of a supportive yeah, just supportive group of people. And so 
What was interesting, though, um, is so I started in 2019, right? And we were uh, we had the conference in Portland. And then lo and behold, in March 2020, the pandemic was declared. And so from that point, I served um, the rest of my term as president online. And then also the following year as past president online, where our two conferences in 2020 and 2021 were delivered virtually. So so that was interesting. It was I, I think we had you know some challenges, but we 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 adapted very well. It was just not the same to not be able to attend meetings and conferences in person. And we did we did the best we could to to continue uh, doing our, our work and carrying out our business uh, virtually and learned that we can do this very well, but it was so nice to be able to go back to an in-person conference, uh, well, for the first time this this in 2022. So, yeah, those, those those are some of the things that stand out for me. We thank you for for sharing that, um, and just how deeply personal that you know experience like undoubtedly must have been, and obviously our our you know, our, our sympathies and, and thoughts and condolences. Um, we're so grateful that you ran. Um, and at the same time, you know, I imagine that a lot of folks, hopefully of the, and I keep saying this every time we do an interview, are hundreds of thousands of listeners that will have it by the, at the time that this, this gets published. Um, I imagine, as is the case, uh, you know, for for a lot of folks, we don't necessarily take the time to check in, or we don't always know what's going on uh, with our friends and colleagues, and to know that you know the the tremendous amount of grief that must have been you know a part of your life at that same moment or time when you were asked to step into what is I think recognized as a tremendously time consuming and important role. Um, such a uh, that just adds another, I guess, contextual element that I, I suspect most folks. It's not a paid position, of course, right? And so it's already you're already being asked to dedicate a lot of your resources. Um, and when some of those resources are already being devoted to other areas of our life, I, I can't imagine um, you know what that must have been like. And I'm so grateful that uh, you made the decision to. To, to do that and that it worked out as well as it sounds like it did in terms of not just you providing a tremendous service, but maybe in some ways there was some return mm-hmm. on that for, for you. Yes, definitely. Of course. Cause it, it, the people with whom you work just make all the difference. Right. And, and we just, there's just so many phenomenal people who are part of ASP and part, part of the e-board. Um, just great colleagues and obviously if it would have been a a, a negative or toxic environment I would have never done it but it, it's 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 a, a great place to be asp is a great place to be mm-hmm. yeah yeah I just want to echo Brandon and say thank you it, it says so much to I don't think anyone would have blamed you or 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 uh, questioned at all if you'd said you know I don't think this is the right time and for you to choose to step forward to continue giving back and serving and putting in that labor in that role, um, which is so oftentimes a thankless role, um, 
it, it means everything. So yeah, it's, um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your honesty and, and thank you for, for that commitment and your willingness to, to step into that during that time. You've talked so much about this relationship with CSPA and ASP. You've talked about the certification program and how that really was so connected to accreditation, right? And, and those kind of working together. As you look back on your, and, and I'll say two years, um, because your, your experience was so unique stepping into that role. When you look back on those two years in your time as president, what were you hoping to accomplish again, with that limited time, because those two years fly by. Mm-hmm. Um, and what were you, what would you say were maybe your main accomplishments as you look back now? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the, the most obvious one is, is the, just the, the advancement of the certification program. And I say that, uh, uh, when I say that, I mean, just, just being able to join <clears throat> CSPA um, and ASP, um, and so, so definitely, even though that that was that was officially launched after I finished um, my, my my time on the e board, I think I think it it was still like a huge accomplishment because of the work that uh, um, was done during those two years when I served as president and past president. <clears throat> there's another there's another element that that actually I remember talking about in my presidential address and and I still think this is this is an area that requires more focus and attention and and I I was so glad uh, when uh, Bob Harmison uh, mentioned this in his presidential address at, at the conference um, last last fall so the other, I guess, the, the yeah, that, that the other piece, and, and it won't be a surprise because of, of my work in the area of mental health, and, and uh, especially like the Canadian Center for Mental Health and Sport, um, I, I just feel like we are not tapping into the full potential of mental health within our organization. Um, well, when I say or our organization, I mean ASP. Um, I remember talking about the importance of advancing that piece because um, I there's 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 been a tension traditionally historically between mental health and mental performance practitioners, and I remember like that as a, as a grad student. And, and in the last five years and more, but certainly the last five years, there's been such a shift. I think it just overall in society, in sport, um, in, in terms of the role of mental health <clears throat> and, 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 and issues, issues uh, being at the forefront. And, and I think that's a, that's a combination of so many things. Um, I think it's a combination of, of athletes speaking out more publicly about their challenges and, and creating that space and that, that pathway for other athletes to follow suit and say, hey, this is important. We need to do more. 
Um, just all of some of the issues that we've seen as well in relation to safe sport and social justice that have a direct link and uh, impact, you know, on mental health. Um, it, it's just it's just at the forefront of, of so much of what we're doing. And I, I, I just think that we have a critical mass of licensed mental health practitioners, in, not only in the US, but in Canada. And being able to integrate, collaborate, and focus on both mental performance and mental health to continue advancing the field is, is where a lot of efforts are going into this, but I don't think we've maximized that yet. I remember uh, like that being uh, something that we would we would discuss uh, in our e-board meetings and and just making sure that we we don't miss the opportunity where there's you know obviously other organizations that 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 have been put in place to for for our, our clinicians right and and that's okay and that's great but ASP can also make sure that our that, that all of our, our our licensed practitioners, whether they're psychologists, counselors, psychotherapists, social workers, there's so many different types of practitioners who can contribute to the experiences and the outcomes of of athletes, coaches, staff, organizations, and sport. And and the, to me. We need to continue doing some work in that space. And and what I found to be challenging in my role, even as president, as past president, is the pushback. Hmm. The pushback and some of the, yeah, just, there's, there's this constant, uh, constant, there is, there, there is continual pushback from some members uh, who I can see why, well, there's, there's different reasons. I can see why, um, you know, there's fear around uh, shifting, shifting uh, too much of that focus uh, because we, all, we want to protect the work of mental performance consultants, right? There's no doubt. And, and there's value and, and we're going to continue promoting that and making sure that people have jobs and can have a, a, a successful career. But I think we have to recognize some of the limitations and I'm one of them. I'm not a licensed um, psychologist or counselor. I, I'm, I'm a mental performance consultant and I have a sports science background, but I also have a lot of knowledge and, and develop competencies in the area of mental health through, through my, obviously my, my research and, you know, different, different types of trainings I completed, but, but I know my scope of practice and I know when, I have to refer. And it's so valuable to collaborate with other practitioners who can provide that type of support and care, which is what we do at the Canadian Centre for Mental Health and Sport. Our whole model is based on collaboration between mental performance practitioners and mental health practitioners. And it works. And it's and the research we're conducting in that space is 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 really showing um, the value of this instead of working in silos. Mm. Um, and, and even just competing against one another. Um, it's, 
it's it, it's way more effective. It's way more efficient when we have structures in place and obviously very sound, very secure, very safe um, structures to be able to to have that collaboration. And that's that was whole the whole premise behind developing the center and 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 uh, offering that type of service. So, so this is where I think um, some of the work needs to continue. Um, so that we make sure that every type of practitioner has a place, has uh, a home uh, within ASP, and and uh, we continue to to see performers as as holistic individuals um, that have different types of needs, and they have mental performance needs, they have mental health needs, they have also mental illness needs, right? Um, and and so to have a comprehensive team of individuals who can provide that support is is very important. So so I see that as a key a key area in the future. And 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 that where I'm going to go back to what I what I said earlier. So so Bob uh, did highlight that as one of his. Uh, important areas uh, that that he wanted to focus on as president. And so I can see how he's going to continue that work. And to me, that that was very inspiring. Mm -hmm. So at this point, um, one of the things we like to do is take a a quick break from some of the, the, uh, not hard questions, but, uh, you know, some of the you know previous experience and, and kind of motivation questions, and then ask you to reflect on you know something that um, in your time and experience in the field, kind of a fun story that like brings a <laughs> smile to your face. So we, it's completely open. Um, as I, I always say this, um, that you get bonus points. You know if your story um, includes other ASP members, or in this case, ASP and CSPA members. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, just so you know, there are no, we, the points don't matter. So we'll, we'll award them, but they don't count for anything, <laughs> uh, but they'll get them anyway. Oh my God. When, when, when you mentioned that you, you'd be asking that question, uh, I, I just laughed because, and I, I was thinking about, all, all of the experiences, right? Going back to 1993 and those first three conferences for me, I, I have to say were the best ones. Well, first of all, I was a grad student, um, <laughs> but it just like, there's, there's a, there's some stories I just can't share. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I'm thinking of course, when, when we go to conferences, uh, the 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 fun part of it is is obviously learning um, and assisting you know the different presentations but it's 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 all the networking it's seeing your friends seeing your colleagues um, and and just and going out going out after the presentations are done whether it's having meals or having a few beverages together and. Um, connecting, catching up, um, and also exploring uh, wherever we are. So some of my f- most funny stories, uh, you know, obviously occurred um, 
just just a, during those times and I remember just just just, just some awesome experiences like as a graduate student, you know, with that that like that group, whether it's going to a student social, but also with with colleagues like who are profs, right? And so, just so I was going down memory lane, um, going. I don't. I'd like you might not think that's not necessarily funny, but just you know, going to the casino in Lake Tahoe, going to the beach in San Diego. Um, uh, New Orleans was that mm. first New Orleans conference yeah. was e- extraordinary. Um, just some of the sightseeing we did. Um, I mean, we just we just had a lot of laughter. Um, just learning about those those different areas and culture. And um, I remember, like, so so I. A couple, a couple of things for me that 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 stand out, and and my colleagues would laugh about this because they know that one of the things I like to do when I go to a conference is, you know, I'll, I'll go. I like to go shopping. <laughs> so if I have, you know, a few hours, I I always want to try to get something from that place to bring back home. It's just it's just a tradition. And that's not only like when I go to an ASK conference, it's anywhere I go in the world, right? Um, I do want to take the time and, and I put some thinking into what what is it from this area that I want to bring back that's going to be meaningful for me. And so a couple of funny stories. One one of was when uh, we went to Arizona. I brought back a bed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. I I remember we we were out just shopping and looking around and there was this bed frame that was nicely packaged into these boxes that I thought and 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 it was cheap compared to to Canada even with the exchange rate and I remember thinking I'm on a mission. I'm bringing this back home. And so, of course, it required collaboration with some of my um, fellow ASP colleagues and members who who were from Canada because I had to get this across the border. And so, um, I, I I was successful uh, as it, a few. There was, you know, you can only uh, check in so many baggages, so many pieces, and so we all we all collaborated and were able to each check a couple of pieces uh, <laughs> and get that across the border and bring that home. So, so people would say, "Oh, like that's 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 not." <laughs> <laughs> and then the wow. other one that stands out is is the conference in San Diego. That was that was a really fun time. I remember one afternoon we, some of my colleagues and I from Canada uh, rented a, a convertible and we drove across the, the border to go to Mexico. And so we, um, yeah, we, we went shopping and I brought back a nice handcrafted uh, sink. <laughs> and so again, uh, we were able. I was able to bring that back home, but everybody was laughing because 
you know, not went and bought another piece, you know, <laughs> to, another memento to bring back home. And but it was this this most beautiful handcrafted, uh, like yeah, pour, I think I, I want to say like a ceramic mm. ceramic sink. Anyways, I managed to get it back home and and uh. used it and loved it. So you know, I just think of all these little stories um, over the years and and lots of fun, lot a lot of stories. I feel like the bar has just been raised significantly. I get like a mug to be a <laughs> magnet. And, and now I realize I got to like refurnish my house every time I go to a conference to keep up. Cause, cause the, the, so the sink actually you had to cross two borders to get that back home. Yes, I did. I did. But wow. guess what? I've, I have gotten wiser over the years. Okay. Because I, that when, you, when I look back at that, I'm like, oh, why did you go through all that trouble? Like that was that was challenging. So, like you um, at the conference last year in Fort Worth, Texas, I did get a mug. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have downsized, and, and you know, stick to t-shirts and mugs now. Is that because well, I the I, I feel like the only fair follow up question is as we prepare for Orlando. What what house renovations are you currently no, you know yeah. like completely like what's the next piece that that you're gonna try to find? Uh, it's gonna be a Disney theme something. Disney. Yeah, well, it. remember we've been to Orlando before, so right. So I have to try to remember what I brought back last time. But yeah, see, the other thing is when my kids were younger, um, it was it was it was easy to bring back like toys or. Things, right. things that they could enjoy. Now they're both adults, so yeah, I gotta, I gotta think a little bit more about about what it is that I can bring them. But yeah, Orlando for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I will, I will start, I will start thinking about this. Matching sinks for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely brings souvenir to another level. I love that so much. Oh my gosh! I, yeah. Anytime I pass like a home improvement store now at a conference, I'm going to think of you and think about it. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> As you think about your time in the field, since you found sports psychology in your undergraduate work to now 2023, in what ways do you feel like the field is evolving? And what are your thoughts, good and bad, about how the field has evolved since you've been a part of it? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I might, it, I might be redundant in my response here, but I think one of the ways in which it has significantly evolved is, is the, the practice side of it, right? Mm. Well, it took a long time, but to, to have this certification program now, um, that to me, should lead to more employment um, is 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 something extremely valuable. I, I I think we have also evolved in the different domains being promoted for practice. So initially, I want to say that we had a a very big focus on sport and uh, exercise. Well, sport, exercise, and health. I remember those those three kind of pillars. And over the years, uh, we we've seen um, 
a bigger focus on performance, different performance domains, right? Uh, and, and we see more and more uh, jobs being created in those domains, whether it's the military, uh, first responders, uh, performing arts, business. And, and I think we need to continue uh, expanding because even though for me, at least I can say in Canada, there's definitely increased demands for mental performance consultants to work at all levels in sports. Um, there's also um, there's also all of these other domains that are, are, are looking for the skill set that we have to be able to help um, their, uh, their, you know, their uh, members to improve performance and, and well-being. And I'll add the mental health piece because, I mean, that right now is important across all domains. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has evolved. Um, one, one of the areas that I, I am concerned about, um, I think we still have a lot of, uh, I'll say many, many programs uh, in Canada and the U.S. to train graduate students to do work in our field and 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 not just as practitioners but as researchers um, and then whatever else comes out of that once they graduate and and go out to work in the field um, but it's it's concerning to see the number of positions not being renewed in in academic, Uh, institutions and so it's harder now for for students to to pursue a career in academia I mean to me when I started that's pretty much what we all did we all you know did our graduate training to become profs uh, in an academic uh, um, program and, and nowadays, and I see that in my own uh, supervision of students uh, at the University of Ottawa, uh, at, the, at the PhD level, very few are training to become professors. Mm. Uh, there's a higher percentage who are conducting, uh, you know, a, their, their doctoral work to develop skill sets that are going to serve them in other jobs than than a, a professor. And so that's interesting. It's interesting because I, I, I think the bar is, is always being elevated. Whereas, you know, before to do work in our, in our field. And I say that very broadly, uh, it was typical to have a master's degree. And now more, and more students are seeking to get a doctoral degree. Um, because it gives them an advantage. Well, first of all, they've spent more time studying, training, developing skill sets. So to me, they're way more advanced. Um, but but yeah, like when they're now competing for jobs, uh, you're seeing uh, students probably with a doctoral degree um, 
having more comprehensive skill sets that are of value to the employer and then possibly getting hired over somebody who has a master's degree, whereas before that wasn't necessarily the trend. Um, And even to work in academia now in Canada, most programs are looking for people who have actually done a postdoctoral degree. So postdoctoral work. So it's not enough to even just have a doctoral degree anymore. You have to have done at least one or two years of doctoral work to actually be able to compete with everyone applying for this one particular position. So that's that's shifted. But I, I just hope we continue promoting the importance of our graduate programs. And I think collectively we really have to advocate to continue renewing positions. Mm-hmm. I know funding is always an issue. Uh, it, I mean, positions are tied to funding, but we can't, we can't drop the ball. We can't stop showing the importance of sports psychology. Um, and I remember, I remember in Canada, you know, uh, I want to say even the last 10 years, the funding shifted to focus on, I would say, more physical activity and health over sport. Mm. And uh, I, I was involved in writing a chapter about the history of sports psychology in Canada and actually the history of our different programs and different, different people who've contributed to the field. And it was really interesting to see over each decade um, the number of people contributing, but also their focus of their area of, of specialization. And that's what allowed us to see that trend Nonetheless, I think there are still a lot of programs in Canada, and I, 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 there's a, a, a critical mass in, in even my province of Ontario where we have not let go of the sports psychology piece, um, and and we continue to to strongly advocate for it. Um, and so we, I think that, yeah, we all have a role to play here to make sure that we don't lose that and that we continue to have academic jobs because that graduate student training is important and the research is important. So, so that, um, that, is, that is certainly maintained. It's hard to grow. Um, we've had some attrition, but we want to maintain what we currently have. So that's, that's, I guess, another point I would highlight. Well, and I think, you know, perhaps you've already kind of touched upon this um, already, but when you think about the direction that ASP and the field are going, is there anything in particular that you, you would either add to what you've already shared or, or just expand on in terms of kind of what, what path are we moving, are we moving down? Mm-hmm. I think I think we're going to see um, more programs integrating mental health and mental performance. I think we in the U.S. you have some awesome programs already doing that. 
in Canada, we don't. Mm. Um, it's typically sports science or, you know, a clinical psych program or clinical counseling program. We don't have an integrated program. Um, I think depending on where the jobs are and what the required um, skill sets are, we our programs will will have to evolve with with that. And just based on on everything that I've said about the role of both mental performance and mental health, and and I think we are hearing from some students that they feel they do have an advantage if they're able to develop both credential. So in other words, <clears throat> they are certified mental performance consultants and they also um, have the credential of a li- being a licensed counselor or psychologist, for example. And so when, you know, when athletic programs, when different positions uh are, are, are being created or, or, or offered, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that students who have these dual credentials may have an advantage because they can do um, both types of work. And, and for me in Canada, I've already shared that with some of my colleagues that, you know, I have eight years left before I retire. And my last big piece of um, work that I would like to do before I retire is to ensure that we have a program that is a, a, an integrated program where students can can obtain or, or a, a tr- develop, you know, the, the training to to obtain this dual credential. Because it doesn't exist right now. And so whether we do that um, at the University of Ottawa, because we already have a professional program that at the moment is the program in Canada that helps to meet most requirements for the certified mental training. Uh, um, sorry, let me rephrase that. For, for the CMPC certification pro, uh, program, Um and, and we've upgraded uh, uh, the program to be given, given the new joint program. Obviously, uh, we're making changes, but I, yeah, I, I, it, it's it's one of my last goals. Like big, you know, big, big hairy goal before <laughs> I retire is 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 to, to find a way to, to establish that for the newer generations. Uh, I, I think it's going to be extremely valuable. So I don't know how how it's going to get done, but to be continued. Right, right. Yes. Well, on that note, speaking of students and training, I think we should pass it over to Katie for the next question. Yeah, I'm super excited to get to ask this question, given what you just shared. Um, What advice would you have for students and new professionals entering into the field now? Uh... I, yes, the what advice would I have? Um, I, I guess to continue in what in the same line of uh, what I was just talking about, 
I think students have to be proactive in developing uh, different types of skill sets to to do their work and and to open as many doors as possible for employment. So I I I did the sports science training. I think I still like strongly value that it, it, it's critical to work in sport. Um, it's a completely different type of focus and approach to training compared to if you go into a, a clinical program um, that doesn't necessarily offer these sports science courses. So I would say that students have have, have to have at least, you know, a, a very strong foundation and, and you can't, you can't get your certification if, if you don't. Right. So, so look for programs that are going to give you that uh, foundation. But if you can supplement this with some training in the area of mental health, I think that's going to be um, added value because I, I foresee there's going to be more and more jobs uh, created to, to, meet, to meet the needs um, of sport participants in, in the area of mental health. And, and I, I want to make a distinction here because in, at least this is something that I often discussed with ASP colleagues is in Canada – we, we do clearly distinguish between mental health and mental illness and mental performance. Um, and I know that in, in, in the U.S. it's not always the case and that often you use the umbrella mental health to also include everything that's mental illness. Um, whereas we will, we will clearly uh, distinguish that and, and mental health, we see this more uh, from a positive psychology standpoint as your psychological, social and uh, emotional well-being. And we know that as, as CMPCs with a sports science background, we do a lot of valuable work in, in the area of promotion and fostering well-being. Um, so, so that to me is a given. You need that as a consultant. But um, if you can get some of that clinical training to help you address the more clinical issues, again, I'll say it's it's add is definitely added value. Um, that that I would say keep that uh, at the back of your mind as you're choosing programs and as you're you're even selecting different. Um, mentors and different different areas where you can be uh, doing your internships for example or, or conducting your your mentored uh, experiences um, so that that I guess that will be the main one if you can also diversify so that you can, do work in different performance contexts. Obviously, sport is the main one. And to get your certification, you have to do half of your hours in, in a sport context. So it's it's really, really important. But to keep your doors open um, and, and be proactive and creative and look at other domains because they do value what we offer. And they... they 
they will have jobs in that area. So even as you're doing um, your mentored experience, uh, just just got to seek those those types of of contexts that yeah just may feel like they're beyond the reach at the mo- at the moment but once you get in there um you know you clearly see that you can apply the skills um that you've developed uh, that that will just open doors i i hope that asp um continues to promote and even offer courses that are about applying mental skills and other performance contexts. We had started that discussion as I was exiting. I remember uh, saying, just like ASP is offering the um, diversity and, in, and culture course um, and, and the ethics course, it would be really neat to offer a specialized course that, that focuses on um working in different performance contexts and, and having that type of training. Um, so, so hopefully we will see that come to fruition, uh, whether it's through ASP or other types of uh, graduate programs. Um, that would be extremely valuable. So, yeah, those are the main ones. I would say develop a strong network of peers and a strong network of mentors uh, that certainly has been valuable for many of us. And, and as I, I say to at least my own students, and I believe I mentioned that in my presidential address, think, think big. So think beyond your school. Think beyond your state. Think beyond your country and get involved in international um, organizations and, and, and committees and projects because sports psychology is, is large and sports psychology exists across the globe and you can learn so much by going abroad to do some work. Um, joining an organization um, and and just working with different types of colleagues and some some who have a lot of resources and others who are from you know developing countries and don't have a lot of resources and and you can make a, a huge contribution there um, because we want to make sports psychology accessible to all and so when you go in in you know countries for example uh, in in South Africa or or well in Africa all together um, you you will quickly realize that there's so much potential there to to create um, yeah just just advance and, and have a meaningful meaningful impact in, in those communities and that I, I truly learned through my work with the the ISSP and that is something that actually I, I, I cherish the most is is being in some of these countries where they they actually were having their first sports psychology conference ever like it's so special and so that's what I would say the sky is the limit. Such a good reminder for all of us, student, professional, early career, mid-career. Yeah, it's such a good reminder. Thank you. 
you've talked about so many different pieces of your career and different goals you've had. You've talked about this big hairy goal that you've got now before retirement. What do you hope your impact will be on the field? Um, yeah. I, that type of question gets, gets me emotional a little bit. Give me a sec. It's funny because yesterday I had a meeting with a past, oh my God, like I'm, I'm emotional. I had a meeting with one of my past PhD students and I was, you know, we were talking about how we want to take what um, we found through his doctoral work and translate that into something that can actually be used uh, by, by, by the sport community because he did this phenomenal intervention, uh, developed uh, a, a self-regulation and mindfulness program to help uh, improve not only mental performance but mental health uh, for endurance athletes, actually. And, and so we were talking about ways to do this. And I was showing him some of the, the work that I'm currently working on uh, with the Canadian Centre for Mental Health and Sport because what we've done is we've developed um, synchronous and asynchronous uh, uh, workshops to improve the mental health literacy of coaches across Canada. And it's been this huge project, and 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 I was showing him the 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 online asynchronous e-learning module that we developed, in which we integrate mental performance, mental health, and mental illness, uh, like uh, to help coaches become confident about having that knowledge base at least to be able to have conversations and and be able to intervene if they see signs and symptoms i mean that's kind of like the foundational mental health 101 course um but i was showing him what we created um and and we were you know we just integrated a lot of science in this but in a very digestible fashion for for the consumer for the coach and and he I, i'm saying that just to illustrate like it's it's linking that to, to the legacy piece but he he his words were oh my god not like you the work that you do you continue like to innovate and you continue to create these things that are going to have an impact on our coaches in Canada and you and his words were you are leaving such a legacy um, and you're and it's funny now you're asking me this question and I mean I don't think about that when I do the work right I just do the work because I love it and 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 I know that we need to translate knowledge into something that is going to be useful for the sport community, right? Uh, otherwise, it's, I was saying, let's do that 
with, with what you found in your PhD. Otherwise, it just remains a thesis that's going to st stay on the shelves and it's just going to collect dust, right? And you found some some really cool things. So now we need we need to make this accessible. So I think my legacy um, will be the different organizations that I was able to contribute to, um, some of which I was able to actually co-found um, over the years. And, and obviously, like, within Canada and then, I think, more broadly, like, contributing to ASP and ISSP, for example. Um, and hopefully my legacy is the practical um, knowledge, the practical tools, the practical programs that I was able to help develop and implement for people to just be better, be better at what they do, um, whether it's as an athlete, as a coach, as a support staff member, as an organization. Um, I've, I've always had an applied lens I've since the beginning. And even though I love research, if it doesn't have any practical implications, if there's no applied deliverable or product at the end of this, I'm not interested in doing it. So maybe that's going to be my legacy. But, you know, and the other piece would be just having a positive impact on people. Um, I love I love my colleagues. I love my students. And I love, I just love, I love learning. I love mentoring. I, I think it, that's something that they would probably highlight is this, this, the learning that we were able to do together um, through that process, um, you know, touching their life in probably a very small but a positive way might be another piece of that legacy. That's beautifully, beautifully said, I think. Is there um, anything that you can think of, Matt, that maybe we didn't even ask about that as you were reflecting and preparing for, <laughs> preparing for this um, that you feel like would be important to talk about or, or share? No, not really. I think I think I we touched on a lot of different things. I guess I guess if I can maybe throw in a few last things is where where we need to also like step up our game <clears throat> like individually, collectively through ASP, through every sports psychology organization in the world really is is just to make sport um, a safer place because it's it's so concerning to see the number of athletes, but now, like even I would say coaches and support staff coming out and saying that the environment in which they work is not supportive enough it's actually quite um 
toxic. It's we, we in Canada, it's like we have a safe sport crisis right now across across the board with so many sport organizations that are that are um, struggling um, to the point where our sport minister uh, cut the funding of different organizations, sport programs until they get their act together. And so I just think there's just so much, I'll use the word like there's a lot of cleaning up to do. Um, there's a lot of things that have been taken for granted over the years. Um, there's a lot of practices in which people have engaged that have put the well-being, the overall wellness, uh, uh, and the and the performance of of our athletes, coaches, and and I'm throwing staff in there because they're all caught up in it, in jeopardy. Um, I, I I think as mental performance consultants, as mental health practitioners, we can help, and and we need to do a better job at helping leaders in sport to create safe and healthy sport environments, cultures, climates for people to thrive. Um, we can't we can't be sweeping any of this under the rug anymore, whereas before it's clear based on a lot of the investigations that have been done where people have just tried to hide this and Right, realize, oh, there's there's an issue, but we're not going to go public with this. We're we're going to actually quietly, um, <clears throat> and even allow people to resign instead of firing them, so that we don't, you know, ruin their um, reputation. But unfortunately, there's too many cases of abuse and maltreatment, and this is leading. Um, our sport community to, to not achieve their best potential, to not achieve their best results, to to also ha experience trauma for years after they leave sport. And so I guess that'll be my last pitch is if we want to change culture, we need everyone to buy into this. We need some leaders in that space that are going to help do this. And I strongly believe that certified mental performance consultants have the skill set to do this. And if this doesn't create jobs, I mean, we're missing the boat. We should be advocating for this <clears throat> and, and making sure that every sport organization knows where to find a CMPC to help with that. And, and, and like every opportunity that I have in my work, whether it's through research, publications, I mean, I just helped to write the in, in introduction to a special issue uh, of Frontiers right before getting on this call. Well, I plugged in the importance of people hiring qualified, certified mental performance consultants to help create safe and psychologically healthy cultures. So believe me, I think if we all do this, I mean, our field is going to continue to grow and thrive and, and 
our students are going to have uh, more opportunities when when they leave the program and, and begin their career. So that's that would be my my final pitch. I'm so glad that we asked that question because uh, I'm so grateful you shared that, and that's a so incredibly important addition in terms of like the message um, to be included here. So thank you for 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 sharing that. Yeah, I agreed, Brandon. I your your passion is so contagious. I feel like I'm just ready to go now. Like I I want I don't know where I'm going, but I want to go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's who do I need to call? I'm just ready. So yes, uh, such a a powerful reminder of our role to advocate in these spaces to advocate for athletes, advocate for coaches, advocate for support staff that we get to sit at tables, not everybody gets to sit at, and that's a responsibility that we need to take very seriously and use well to mm-hmm. to do something bigger than just teach goal setting, right, or self-talk. Mm-hmm. Not that those aren't important, but that we have the opportunity to do so much more. Natalie, th- oh, please. Yes. Let's not forget ethics is at the foundation of all of this. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. You can't practice successfully and you can't advocate without that very high ethical and moral lens you need it so hooray to all the work that's being done in the area of ethics right now and i just saw the the email blast that went out to to say that um, the ethics committee had just updated the the asp uh, ethical code um so beautiful. I'm such a strong, strong uh, proponent of this. And and I know that it's a huge piece that we want to continue championing uh, in Canada. So sorry, I I didn't mean to interrupt those last words that you were going to mention. As two people who got to train with Jack Watson and Ed Etzel, I think we will both always hold space for ethics. I think that's always. (laughs) Yeah, I'll mention it in class tonight. Um, But we were meeting my ethics class anyway, so I'll make sure that uh, that they know. Hey, this isn't just me like saying this. This is coming all the way like for us down here in Georgia, all the way up north. Um, yes, same message is <laughs> coming from there too. Great, yeah, Natalie. Thank you again so much for making time for this, for sharing so much of your story with us. We appreciate you. We appreciate the energy you've put into not only us, but other organizations, the field, your students. I, I mean, it's just been so incredible. And really your your passion, your eagerness, your energy, it truly is so contagious. It's been such a gift getting to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this incredibly valuable project. I, I was really excited when you, when you, pitch that to, to the uh, past presidents. And, and I think that will be one of your legacies that you're going to leave in the field. Thank you. Very, very kind. Well, we have asked, Natalie has answered, and we will see all of you next time.